Welcome to the Give to Profit podcast, the podcast that inspires business owners, entrepreneurs and leaders to turn their business into a profitable force for good. During our bi-weekly episodes, you'll hear how founders and leaders put charitable giving and social impact at the heart of their business and the many benefits that come from doing this. We also interview leaders of causes, charities and agencies who are leading the way in how they partner with micro and SME businesses. You can find full show notes for today's show and join our membership community at givetoprofit.com. This is where you can also sign up to receive regular tips and updates about events worth checking out, including the Give to Profit Business for Good conference we're hosting in Edinburgh in April 2019. So now here's your host, TEDx speaker, author and business mentor, Alison McKenzie. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Give to Profit podcast show. This is your host, Alison McKenzie, and as always, I am delighted to be here with you today. Having spent a few years building up my network with contacts around the world, it's been an absolute joy to be reconnecting with what's happening locally in Scotland, meeting and getting to know lots of new people doing good in their communities and discovering the extent to which Scotland is already leading the way forward in the field of business being a force for good. This has been something I've just been so excited about and thrilled about over the last year or so since spending more time here in Scotland. And today I'm interviewing Bruce Walker, who is the co-founder of a company called Future X. And is somebody who I've watched in awe over the last few years in his quest to inspire and connect entrepreneurs from around the world and is in, on a mission to redefine the role of business, which is a topic of what we're talking about today. So Bruce started his first business, We Are the Future, which I just love. It's such a brilliant, bold name in 2011, aged 17, from a high school classroom in Scotland. And in 2017, co-founded an organisation called Future X, which is all about helping purpose-driven entrepreneurs, corporates and governments to create scalable and profitable businesses where values and purpose are a core part of their growth strategy. So welcome, Bruce. It's just so wonderful to have you here on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, looking forward to having a a really exciting conversation. Definitely, definitely. And it was so good when we met up because we, you know, that first conversation where we got together, um, we realized that we have a lot of very similar values and on a similar mission, slightly different paths. So great to have you on the show. So I always start off these conversations by inviting my guests to just share a little bit about their story, how you've come to be the person that you are today. So how did I become the person I am today? I I guess, so I got started when I was uh, in high school and, you know, really didn't have any ambition to grow what we were doing as a project into a business. It was just an opportunity to try something that was different to, you know, what was going on at, at that time, um, an opportunity to learn some new skills. But what I quickly realized um, when we ran this entrepreneurship event from our high school is that if you pick up the phone uh, or send an email to someone and ask them to help you out in some way, people say yes. And, you know, that was a bit of a revelation to me um, at at 17, discovering that if I just ask, you know, anyone really for help, 
more often than not, they either said yes, or they said, you know, I maybe can't do what you've asked of me, but I can do this, or I could introduce you to that person. Um, so from a very early age, I, I discovered that um, if you're able to get a message that people buy into, then, you know, uh, people start opening doors for you. The opportunity uh, arose for us to run this entrepreneurship event out of our school, taking part in Young Enterprise Scotland. And I was reading a book at the time. Uh, I was reading Alan Sugar's book. Um, and there was a page on his, in his book where he referenced his PR agency. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if we could get Alan Sugar up to speak at our, our, our first event? Um, so I sent an email to everyone in his PR office. Um, and I thought, you know, no one's ever going to get back to me. So I'll send it to everyone in the office in the hope that someone might pick it up. I then got a response from, you know, the, the managing director of, of the PR agency saying, Bruce, we've had all 12 of your emails um, and thank you so much for getting in touch. Let's explore a way that Alan can get involved in, in your event. And that, that was unbelievable. I, I thought, you know, there's no way that they're ever going to get back in touch with me. Uh, and as it transpired, you know, Alan Chu couldn't make it up to speak at our event in Scotland. But what they did do is he put his kind of endorsement behind the event. Um, mm. And so we had this big business figure who was supporting what we we're doing. Um, and that was when we were, you know, in high school. And then when I moved to, to Edinburgh to start university, I thought, what if I just ran one of these entrepreneurship events once a year? And then at the end of it, I'll be able to find a job. That was the thing that everyone was saying <laughs> is the impossible thing at that stage. You know, it was 2012 when I started university and everyone was saying, you know, there's no jobs. Um, the, the kind of full weight of the financial crisis is now affecting everyone in our generation. So you need to do something different. What I thought was I'll run this entrepreneurship event and that will, um, it will really change the way that uh, hopefully the young people at that time looked at, at business and as an opportunity to actually be in control of your future and to solve problems and to create a culture that actually resonates and is meaningful for you. So we ran that first event in Edinburgh and we actually had 500 people show up to it, which we, we couldn't believe. Uh, and we invited a speaker over, uh, this incredible entrepreneur from Silicon Valley, a lady called Stacy Ferreira. And Stacy has this epic story where uh, 18 she sent a tweet to Richard Branson and uh, she was then invited to this charity event and she was said that you know if you donate $2,000 or so to this charity event you might get the chance to meet Richard Branson and Stacey mm -hmm. at 18 you know she didn't have uh, the money to afford that so she went to the only place she knew which was her dad and she said, hey, dad, can I borrow $2,000 to attend this charity event? Because I'm going to pitch Richard Branson my business. <laughs> um, and you can imagine what the response was. Uh, he said no. And so she went away and she wrote a business plan. And she said, look, dad, if you invest $2,000 in my business, this is how you'll get your return. And, uh, and he said, okay. So we gave her the $2,000. She went to the event with her brother and Richard Branson invested a million dollars. <gasps> wow. Um, so Stacey came over to Edinburgh in, I think, 2013 and, and spoke at our event. And it was just absolutely incredible. Um, and then after that, 
she said in a very friendly way, you should come over to um, California, Silicon Valley and see what's going on over there. You know, one of those gestures that people make, but aren't necessarily suggesting that you uh, come over right away. <laughs> um, but I, I thought this is, a, this is a mega opportunity and I mentioned it to a bunch of people. And surprisingly, a lot of people said to me not to bother, not to go, you know, you're 18, 19 at university, you've got other priorities, you know, that's a bit of a waste of time and how on earth are you going to afford it? Um, but I've always been one to ignore uh, people when they don't give me the advice that I'm looking for. So I ignored all of them, uh, scraped together a bit of money and I booked a flight that, you know, it was something like I had to get a bus from Edinburgh to Manchester, Manchester to New York, New York to LA, LA to San Francisco. <laughs> it took about three days to get there. But when I did get there, I'd managed to secure these exceptional meetings using the same method I used when I was at school, which was just emailing and asking people for a bit of help. And so I sent emails out to people like Tim Cook at Apple. I sent emails to executives in eBay and Google and Airbnb. Um, and before I knew it, the, the other kind of remarkable thing I think about Scotland is when I started telling people I was going over, everyone wanted to introduce me to someone that they knew. Mm -hmm. um, and what happened is I ended up with, my first meeting was with um, uh, uh, one of the someone from the design studio at Apple. So my first wow. meeting in Silicon Valley was wow. with Apple HQ. Um, I then followed that up with meetings at Google and eBay. And we just did this epic tour of, of Silicon Valley. Um, and that, that was kind of a surreal moment at 19 to be, you know, engaged in all this and, and meeting with, you know, billionaire founders and super exciting executives within companies. And that quickly snowballed. And it, it's funny the way that uh, word travels because we were very quickly approached after that um, to do something in LA. And we worked with um, the I Am Angel Foundation, which is the foundation run by uh, Will I Am, or started by Will I Am. And we worked, we ran a tech education event in Los Angeles, which worked with um, these kids from an area of LA called Boyle Heights, which is where Will I Am is from. Um, and it's got, you know, the most horrible deprivation. But this event was about tech education and saying, you know, through technology and education, you can kind of lift yourself out of any circumstance that you're in. Um, and then shortly after that, we were approached by Abu Dhabi University and we ran the first ever global entrepreneurship event in Abu Dhabi um, with in partnership with the university. We got the backing from, um, uh, from you know, the, the royal family to, to run that event. And this was all happening while I was at, at uni. Mm. And so it wasn't until I realized um, part of the way through, it was, well, I suppose it was after, in the summer of my second year, I'd sent an email to Craig Krieger, who is the CEO of Virgin Atlantic. And I'd sent an email saying, you know, oh, we're doing all these incredible events. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had an airline partner? And, uh, Quite rightly, they got back to me and they were like, you know, we're not interested. You know, what you're saying doesn't really make sense to us. And also, we already support these other charities. Um, but it was a bit of a, a smack in the face because, you know, I'd had a lot of really positive reactions. I'd not had that many negative reactions to reaching out to people. Um, 
But I took stock of, of what, what they said in response and I sent another email to Craig a few months later. And this time in the email, all I said was, this is my mission. This is what I'm trying to achieve. This is why I think it's important. Will you spend 10 minutes to meet with me for some advice? And that changed the game. Mm. Craig emailed me back uh, personally and you know, said, I absolutely love what you're all about. I think it totally represents us. Um, and I'd like to fly you down to London uh, to meet with the team. And so we can work out how we can work together. And so in that summer of my second year at university, we secured Virgin Atlantic as our airline partner. And it was at that point I decided that I was going to take a year out of university. Um, and that year then turned into a full dropout and I, I never finished my study. <laughs> um, but what happened is not only did Virgin Atlantic become our airline partner, but they, Craig introduced me to lots of other people within the Virgin group. And that started a very exciting uh, period in my life where we worked uh, with, with Virgin. And we worked with Virgin Unite, which is the kind of philanthropic arm of, of the Virgin group. Um, we worked with Virgin America, worked with Virgin Atlantic, and we worked with Virgin Hotels. And it was really uh, Virgin that introduced me to the idea of business being a force for good. I'd always understood that from a personal level as, you know, as an individual, as a leader, you should be aspiring to be a good leader and, and thinking about how you look after people. But I'd never considered it as part of a kind of business strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and that actually good business is good for business. Um, and that was kind of a huge eye-opening experience for us. We worked in Chicago with, with Virgin. Um, I remember Richard Branson for the start of a summit that we organized with them. You know, he videoed LinkedIn from Necker Island and it was just you know, wow. a very cool experience. Mm -hmm. But that set me on the track for realizing this is where I'm most passionate about is identifying how, um, you know, how we can redefine the role of business and how business can be that force for good. But that doesn't have to be the sacrifice of being a commercial organization. In fact, they are so synergistic that they support each other. The, the more you consider how you look after people, the more your customers become um, loyal to you and they want to buy into that. It's the more you can attract talent and it's just this whole cycle. So in 2017, we decided to co-found FutureX and that was really about the next evolution of really focusing in on businesses being this force for good. Um, so we largely do a lot of similar things that we did in We Are The Future, but really hyper-focused on, you know, businesses that have high growth potential, but values and purpose in the core. And, you know, there is so much in what you have shared there. My God, I'd love to just backtrack even further. Sure. Because for somebody to achieve all that in a lifetime is amazing let alone in the space of a couple of years mm. and to me there's just something that's there's 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 there has to be a quality or something within you that led you for instance to just have that inner strength to ignore what others were saying when they were doubting or suggest you didn't follow something up or when you know just when you were having those initial thoughts of well I'm just going to send out all those initial emails and ask for help you know, mm -hmm. you know Alan Sugar probably nothing will probably come of it but you still sent the emails mm -hmm. was there anything that happened earlier on in your life or anything that you can think of that has given you that inner strength or confidence that has, has made that maybe easier than it would be for other people 
Um, I mean, it's funny because, you know, I actually think I was probably more confident as a teenager than you know, I am now. Mm. Um, and that's not to say that I'm, you know, I don't feel confident and very self-assured now, but at that age, you don't know what you don't know. And at that age, <laughs> I didn't know anything. And so the fear of failure was not really, not really a factor because I just didn't ever consider that I would fail. And I suppose I just didn't think it mattered. So there's maybe an element of that. Yeah. I think um, the very, very fortunate to have uh, a family and parents who are so, so, so supportive. Um, and, you know, I've always been a little bit maverick. I think I've always been the one that's a bit odd in the family. Um, and, you know, I was, my, my first ever job was actually as a, first ever paid job was as a magician. So when I was a teenager, at 16, I think, I got my first job as a, as a magician doing work in a bar. So I had a bit of a baptism of fire going into a bar where I wasn't meant to be at 16 anyway. And, you know, being this performer, I had to go up to, to, to groups of people and perform close-up magic uh, for them and keep them entertained. And, you know, you learn the bit of gift of the gab at that stage, uh, top bullshare, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, but that's, you know, that was part of it, I think. And so I've always just felt quite, yeah, a bit, a bit of a risk taker. You know, I don't mind, uh, don't mind getting things wrong. I think that in the early days, you know, I was afraid to send emails and get rejections. But you desensitize yourself by sending hundreds, thousands of, of messages. And not everyone comes back but you've literally sent so many you can't remember. And mm. so it's that kind of, you know, if you throw out a, a hundred, then maybe one or two will come back and that's all you really need to get going. And so it, it's, it's, it's not feeling so afraid to be rejected, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because listening to what you're saying and, and even just listening to your story, it's so similar to what I remember taking away from uh, Richard Branson's books around how mm. he built things up. It, it's just that young innocence, isn't it? Of, well, I'm just going to send all these letters or emails out and we'll see what happens. Mm. Um, I, I got given a bit of advice early on, which I thought was really valuable, which is that uh, everyone will forgive you because you're so young. So it's okay to make mistake, mistakes. You know, people are, you know, if, if you do something that is, you know, um, maybe not the most professional way to do it, or that isn't the way you're meant to reach out to people, or there's a protocol, you know, people just go, oh, he's young, naive, he doesn't know. And that's the truth. Mm -hmm. um, I, would, I was young and naive and didn't know. And people are so accommodating to that. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that's, that's a lesson for anyone who, who's young and, and thinking about, about doing something. Totally, totally. And even for people, you know, who are older that are listening to this, it's actually just, a, it's, in some ways, it's, it's about reframing it mm -hmm. and looking at, right, okay, you know, especially things like send out so many requests that, that you can't remember, you know, how many people don't come back to you, but mm -hmm. you'll get traction, you'll move forward, which is kind of what I did when I reached out to Laurie, when I, um, who's a good friend of mine now, and she's the person that I went out to Rwanda with, you know, I saw her film came through in an email into my inbox when I was looking to go and do something more meaningful and the old me as in the old version of me who was more mm -hmm. fearful would never have reached out and I you know if for whatever moment in that moment I reached out and said love what you're doing would love to hear more and that was what changed 
you know, the direction of my life. So it is, it's just about not worrying about things exactly as you said, and anybody of anybody age can take that away. So if we look at, you know, one of the things that you talk about is the role that is, is how purpose can play a strategic role in the growth of a business. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean to you? So for me, that means lots of different things. If you are growing your business, you need to look at um, who will be the, the talent and the team that are going to help turn this business into something incredible. Because, you know, business is all about people. And increasingly, the very best talent want to work for a company that they identify with. And so being able to effectively communicate your purpose and your values helps you attract a higher level of candidate for any jobs that you're advertising. Um, and that's really, really critical at this stage where it is really, it's a, you know, it's the battle of talent um, is, is so fierce and it's, you know, really top level people are quite scarce. Um, so being able to attract people who are at a high level and crucially want to stay for the long term because they really buy into the purpose and the, of what you're trying to create. So the attrition rate goes dramatically down. Um, and so I think that's such a key point. But I also think that it encourages diversity, inclusion, it stimulates um, empowerment. If you're able to empower people, then they're able to take ownership of their work. Um, I think increasingly with customers, customer retention, you know, we all know that uh, you know, when we see a product and we understand that there's a bit of a story behind it, then you know, if it's a toss up between that and the other one, you go for the one with a bit of a story, the one that you identify with. Um, and so for me, that's what, what putting purpose into your strategy is all about. Looking at every facet of your business and thinking, how do I really communicate what we want to achieve here? Um, and I think transparency is in, you know, now and in the future is going to be so important because businesses lost the trust of a lot of consumers because they were not being transparent. And if you can be a business that explains why you make your decisions, then uh, you know, people become much more loyal and trusting of that. And I think you know, Monzo, the, the, the online bank, the mobile bank, um, do this really, really effectively. They communicate so transparently about why they're doing the things that they're doing. So they recently just um, took out a feature within the app but they really clearly explained over you know, several months that they were considering doing this, they were thinking about it. Here are a couple of options that we might do. Can you let us know which one would be best for you? And then eventually they said, look, this feature is costing us four million pounds a year. Um, and we now have got to this stage, we're a fully fledged bank and we need to reduce this feature. You know, mm. I was with them all the way through the decision-making process. So, you know, I couldn't be upset with them. They literally yeah. kept me in the loop at every possible stage that they could. Um, and I think transparency is, is going to be, you know, a huge differentiator um, about building customer loyalty going forward. Definitely. And actually, one of the other people I've interviewed on this podcast is Caroline McKenna from Social Good HQ. Mm -hmm. And it was specifically on that topic around transparency mm -hmm. so it is it's it's and it, it's it's so powerful when businesses have the courage to be transparent Definitely. 
you know, um, with, you know, internally as much as with, you know, with customers and people who hear about us. And, and I think it's not about getting it all right on the, on the mm. first go. I, you know, I, we're going to commit to a project over the next year of increased transparency. And that's what it is. It's, it's an ongoing project. It doesn't have an end point. And I think it's about, you know, slowly being able to look into how do you explain more and more about what you do. But it's not something that you have to get right overnight. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a, um, it's also, it's an evolution, isn't it? It's, a, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an evolution. So, I mean, one of the things I know that you talk about a lot, in fact, you have events, you know, all about impact. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when, when, when you think of impact, what, what kind of impact would you love to have personally? Um, personally, I think the impact I'd love to have is empowering people to um, either realise their own potential or to get connected with those that can really support them. Um, I meet a lot of very interesting people from you know, exceptionally diverse backgrounds. And I think that I see in you know, the most successful ones that at some stage in life, one person or often numerous people in organisations have empowered them in some way. And that's what keeps them going and stimulates them. So, you know, if I can empower more people to, to be active participants in, in their own lives and active participants in society um, and not feeling like it's someone else's um, role to, to fix the problems, but actually all of us through everyday micro actions can have tremendous impact. You know, I think that actually just just being nice to people, you know, mm -hmm. a smile on the street, a thank you, a little bit of a gesture here and there. It's everyday acts of kindness is what is going to move humanity forward. Oh, beautiful. Definitely. And so how do you map that across for you in terms of taking what is, you know, it, it, I can tell from just listening to you and knowing you that, that what you're sharing here is it's something that just oozes out of every cell of your body. How do you take mm -hmm. that into business so i mean i guess because my um my background i suppose before i started um, becoming immersed in this kind of values mission-led uh, world is i was just really interested in in startup business and so you know i could talk all day about values and purpose i could also talk all day about you know business growth strategy and investment and internationalization and so I, I've got such a dual passion um, mm. and I think that they, they fit so nicely together and that's why I'm so kind of effervescent about it. <laughs> um, and so for me, it's about saying, how do you take this bit that makes sense to almost everyone? Most people want to be good. Most people want to be um, progressive within their, their, their lives or in their business. And how do you apply that to the, the core fundamentals that is needed to grow your business? Um, so it is looking at you know, sales and marketing, and it is looking at um, recruitment and retention. It's looking at all the different parts of your culture um, and, and, and embedding them across that. And for me, the measurement is seeing more and more companies start to address this. And so I was really encouraged that, you know, earlier this, uh, this year, EIE, which is the, you know, the biggest investor conference in Scotland, run by the team at Informatics Ventures, and I saw on the stage for the first time, almost every business felt the need to address what their purpose and values are. Wow, that's brilliant. I wow. thought that was a game changer. Mm -hmm. 
that but is a game changer and i think that we all have a role to play in helping to to en enable that you know i think you know us being champions of it making sure we're talking about it not only at a government level but at a very early startup level and lots of other partners who are also championing this work you know it's that kind of chipping away everyone's making a contribution moving forward and then the biggest investor conference in the country the, the people pitching on the stage have started to pick that up as well that is that's really really interesting to hear i love it i mm. love it um, so many different angles to that um, and you know and, and I think I've certainly noticed a massive swing that's happened just in the last couple of years from people mm -hmm. just being interested when I've talked about this kind of thing but mm -hmm. not really getting it to all yeah. of a sudden just going yeah want to be part of it mm -hmm. or they don't but generally most people do <laughs> Which, yeah. um, and it's, what's nice is it's becoming more of a business priority rather than, oh, it's something I'll do later. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that is the biggest change, is it seeing as, you know, before this stuff was all CSR conversation. Mm -hmm. This is the stuff that was in the prospectus in the CSR section, um, and no one paid that much attention to it. And now it is part of the core strategy. It's people, everyone's talking about it, everyone understands it. Um, and I think that's, yeah, that's been the biggest change over the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that too. And so what for you, over, over, over the last few years, has there been any one um, project that you have found just the most rewarding or interesting that you would be able to share with us? Um, I was pretty excited that we were able to launch the Impact Summit this year. Mm -hmm. um, that was the combination of you know, a lot of work to think about how do we actively get a cross-section of society together who are not just entrepreneurs, but they might also be students and young people, they are teachers, they are educators, they are civil servants, they might be market traders, um, you know, a real cross-section of people together in one room to talk about how do we move you know, business forward in a way that is going to be productive for everyone. Because everyone has to engage within a business in some way, either as a consumer, as an employee or an employer. How do we start to structure this in a way that is regenerative for all of us? And, you know, to get Nicholas Sturgeon um, to come along, you know, first minister at our, that, that, the inaugural event was, was quite a statement, we thought, from the government's intention to back this. Um, Sir Tom Hunter, who, you know, world-renowned venture philanthropist he put money into this and backed us for three years to make sure the impact summit grows and grows um, we ran it in the barras in glasgow um, and that was super cool just within itself just as a location you know a cross-section you know historic cross-section of creativity and commerce and um, you know a social hub all kind of combined into one um, so for me, you know, the coming together of the Impact Summit was, was quite a special moment. Um, but I'm even more excited about what we do with that going forward and how we move it from being a place where we just talk about ideas to being the catalyst for, for real change. Yeah, and, and I mean, that was a fantastic event. I was stood over the moon that I could make it and came along because it was exactly what you describe in terms of that, it was such a brilliant mix of that cross-section of people from all different walks of life, mm -hmm. all different walks, walks of life, all coming together and just having conversations 
um, in a way that it was facilitated towards, you know, how can we move business forward? But it was just so well done. It was a great inspiration to me at the point that I was thinking I'd like to run an event. <laughs> and if I could, if, if, if the Business for Good event can be, you know, anything like what you've done, I'd be so chuffed because, um, you know, and I think actually picking up in the Barras, I think that was, you know, without a doubt, having the event somewhere like that just was so powerful in terms mm -hmm. of adding a whole other dimension to the conversation. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I have to thank um, a lot of our partners for that support, you know, people like Rachel Brown at the Cultural Enterprise Office, who, you know, really steered us in that direction. Mm. Uh, and, you know, were you know, big supporters and helped us make sure we created an event that was inclusive. Because, you know, I think it's also an acknowledgement that, you know, we all exist within our own little bubbles. And it can actually be quite hard to step into other people's and to identify different parts of the community. Um, so yeah, we had a lot, a lot, a lot of good support and, you know, uh, you know, including from yourself, Alison, I think, you know, everyone that comes along to support that and to be part of that facilitation, you know, that's what makes the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. And just, I mean, as I said, right at the very start of it, I've just been so excited to find out how much conversation is happening around this mm -hmm. um, particularly in Scotland. Um, and it's been really good. So, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on, you know, the lines that are, you know, the, the line that's becoming blurred really now between commercial business, social enterprises and charities mm -hmm. and how we all, you know, mingle and fit together? So, you know, I think any thriving um, ecosystem or community needs to have uh, a diverse approach to solving problems. Um, so I think that that, you know, the distinction between them is actually a good thing. Um, I think the, the thing I like about um, commercial business is the kind of scalability of it. So that's the thing that, you know, typically for me that I find quite exciting is there's a company, you know, in the US that had, you know, has scaled to like 100 million users um, and it's having a tremendous impact and it's a commercial business. Um, so I like that scalability of um, commercial enterprise that has values at its core so that it's not, um, it's not making any decisions which will hopefully have any negative repercussions or certainly that at least they're transparent about why that might happen. Mm. Um, and but at the same time, it's not just about making money, you yeah. know, it's that, that balance. I think that social enterprise uh, plays a really important role within communities. And I think social enterprises, as we know, can grow to be big, big organizations as well. They have the capacity for scale. Um, I do think that sometimes there's a cultural challenge between what, what you know, I promote and what FutureX promotes as, as commercial business and social enterprise. There can sometimes be a bit of a, a tension because there's, um, there's people within the social enterprise community that think that, you know, Profit isn't uh, isn't something that, that they should be pursuing. That it should all be reinvested. Um, and then I think that you know charities play such a fundamental role actually mm. addressing the problems and bringing to light the challenges. Um, and where you can actually have collaboration among all, that is where I think you start to really address issues. I don't think any one uh, model or organisation can even come close to solving the problems on their own. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. And I think it's, 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 I think actually having the, all the different models there and actually the, even the conversations around, you know, people not 
being necessarily agreeing with all of the different models mm -hmm. that in itself is what adds to the whole conversation because it means we can all start to have these conversations and evolve so we can collaborate and partner yeah. better all about the evolution i think yeah definitely so i mean we've we've I, I feel like i just touched on the conversation with you bruce i know i could speak to you for hours mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there'll be many more conversations but um for the purpose of purposes of this episode if there was just one last thing that you could share with our listeners on the topic of redefining the role of business what would it be um i think there'd be that you know i think all businesses can be a force for good and i think that if you look at the different ways in which you either as an employee or as a, an employer look at how you just engage your staff in a way that isn't the necessarily the textbook way but just in a way that it makes common sense you know we've introduced you know four day working week we've introduced flexible working because we've realized that that's what suits you know the, the our staff our, our team and so it's just looking at things from a slightly different lens and saying how do i improve this um, and i think that's all we can ask uh, at this stage of businesses is to start looking at actually is there a better way to do this yeah brilliant thank you and I know that um, because of the timing of this podcast episode, it's, it's a good time for you to mention just the Startup Summit, um, which is happening uh, shortly. And um, I'm delighted to be part of that, which, you know, mm -hmm. thank you very much for asking me to speak at that. But would you like to just share a little bit more about what that's about? So anybody listening to this that can make it could just um, check it out. Sure. So uh, the Startup Summit, uh, it's one of the UK's leading entrepreneurship events. We have about a thousand people coming along. We've got three stages. It's going to be uh, a kind of exciting festival feel where you can go and hear everything from um, you know, the founders of you know, exciting, exciting companies um, and also hear about how business can be a force for good, how you build your strategies. Uh, this year's theme is all about the power of company culture. So it is looking at, um, you know, what can you do within your team to create a culture that is going to help you grow as a business, but also be supportive and regenerative. Fantastic. And that's happening in Edinburgh. On the 31st, on the 31st, of, 31st of October. Brilliant. And we will make sure we get a link to, in, to that in our show notes as well. So I'm just taking a little note of that. Sure. Um, and what's the best way for people to, con to contact you if they want to reach out? Um, the best way probably is on LinkedIn, actually. Um, mm -hmm. I can be quite responsive on LinkedIn, whereas if you send me an email, it can sometimes get lost um, in, the, in the, the multitude of, of uh, things in the inbox. But yeah, LinkedIn or Twitter um, is probably the best place to reach me. Brilliant. So, well, thank you so much for your time today, Bruce. Um, yeah, I've just thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, which I know will just continue um, uh, over the next few months and years, hopefully as well. Um, and I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled that you're going to be part of the Business 
for Good Conference as well in April, which some people listening to this will know about. And there'll be links to that actually in the show notes as well. So thank you so much. Um, I'm sure our listeners will thoroughly have enjoyed this conversation too. So if you are listening, thanks very much for tuning in. Remember to check out givetoprofit.com or alison.com for the full show notes, plus details of how to connect with Bruce and myself. And if you want to get more clarity on the impact that you'd like to have in the world, please do get in touch. Until next time, remember, business is a great opportunity to be kind and what you do next matters. Thanks for tuning in to the Give to Profit podcast. You can find full show notes for today's show at givetoprofit.com. This is where you can also check out the Give to Profit membership community, a special place where you can connect with Alison and other like-minded business owners and entrepreneurs and learn how to turn your business into a profitable force for good in ways that are joyful, effective and legal. It's also the place where you can find out about our future events, including the Give to Profit Business for Good conference in April 2019. And if you don't already have a copy of Alison's best-selling book, Give to Profit, How to Grow Your Business by Supporting Charities and Social Causes, you can get a copy of it on Amazon around the world.